Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Harriet Cameron with Down to Earth. It's a show in which we talk about the issues that matter. It looks like a summer cold is going to happen to me. Pretty spray, but it doesn't. It, it, it's all that watering I'm doing in the evenings, like trying to maintain that my my lawn doesn't get brown. I'm terrified of that. <laughs> I live in the Midwest, so we don't have a water problem for those who are socially conscious and probably the water police. But uh, I don't live in California where we have water restrictions. I live in the Midwest where we have the Great Lakes, so we have an abundance of water. Good morning, everyone. Hi. Hi. Nice to see you. Today is Thursday, and it is June 18th. Yes. That means we are powering our way through the month of June. And is that a good thing? That's a good thing. Tomorrow will be Juneteenth, right? And uh, it's a day in which I, I finally, I am now seeing that a lot of companies are recognizing Juneteenth as a significant day for black Americans. And so uh, some companies are going to pay black Americans for working on that day. And some are going to deem it a holiday, even if the federal government doesn't, and even if the state government doesn't. Some companies are taking that extra step. It would be good if they recognize a lot of private sector entities recognize Martin Luther King. To me, that's a gross disrespect. And uh, today being Thursday, it's the day after the Fulton County uh, District Attorney in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area, in Georgia rather, Fulton County, Georgia, which is where Atlanta is, it's the day after the Fulton County District Attorney announced that charges have been filed against the two officers who are responsible for the death of Richard Brooks. I want to talk about that a little bit, but let me just give a disclaimer right here and there. One of the things that I find very disconcerting about this brand of racism is the fact that it shows a grave level of disrespect for a black woman's womb. I have noticed in the white community that uh, police officers and everybody else who are white respect other whites because they respect what comes out of a white woman's womb. In the black community, I have found that racism happens because white police officers and most white people do not respect what comes out of a black woman's womb. That's historic because it, it stems from racism, where, frankly, let's just be clear, America, let's just accept that if you were, grew up and you were told that a group of people are not good, they're criminals, they're not worthy, what are you going to believe? You're going to believe that messaging, right? You're going to believe what your ancestors told you. It's so ingrained in you because you've been hearing it from you were little. So you don't respect it. This is why off the off police officers can pull people over and snatch young children, snatch college-age children out of a car, grabbing them by their necks, pulling them out of a car, and kicking Rayshard Brooks after he had already been dead, stomping on his shoulder, because you don't respect black women. You don't respect what comes out of a black woman's womb. So I have to look at it. That is the same way that you treat black people. It's the same way you're going to treat me. So your problem is the color of someone's skin. And let's just be clear about that. Let's just accept that. 
right? Let's just accept that that is the problem. I have a caller, and I just want to hear what he has to say. Good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Down to Earth. Uh, I know you might not want to give your name, but I just want to hear what you have to say about this whole Rayshard Brooks situation. Okay. Um, uh, uh, can you, hello, oh, how are you? Me, can you? Can you hold the phone closer to your ear so we can hear you? It's a little low. The volume is a little low. Okay, what about now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you a little better, but talk. Let's hear what you have to say, my brother. Okay, what what was the question in, in particular against it? We're talking about Rayshard Brooks and the violence against blacks in America. Well, uh, I mean, when we're looking at the issues that uh, you, you sound as if you have an accent. Is that correct? Where's your accent from, sis? Uh, I've lived here long enough. I'm from the Caribbean, so I'm just as black as the rest of us. Right, absolutely. And a lot of times what we have is the separation of struggle between brothers and sisters, between blacks, between Africans here and also Africans worldwide, because even when we're talking about the injustices that have been done and are still done to Africans here in America, they've also been done to Africans worldwide. So what, well, we, um, we you know, why everybody... As, we commonly refer to that ideology as divide and conquer. All that it serves to do uh-huh. is to divide a group of people who have, as you say, have a con- you know, have a common struggle. And if you separate them, mm-hmm. then they will not unify. So they can't work together to overthrow or to minimize and mitigate the system of of, of racism. Well, let me hear what you have to say, because I'm going to say. And that's true, and that's what the whole purpose is. We have to look at the the very fact that we are at war, even in, um, you know, the tactic and the ploy of the whole COVID thing. You know, we, we didn't get to understand that enough because we as black folk here in America and also globally, we've been attacked by various different things. And a lot of times we don't know if it's natural or if it's imposed because even when they said crack hit our neighborhoods, what we found out with further analysis and studying is that somebody actually set it up for those drugs to be put into our community. So it wasn't as natural as what we thought. Just as when when these protests were going on, they got all these protests, but a lot of the younger kids are saying, hey, down at the protest, they have pallets of bricks already ready. You understand? So this is is a little, you know, it's, it's, it's a coerced situation. So when we're looking at what we're seeing going on with black folk here in America, it is the one as where you stated they want it. They want us to be divided and conquered because now we, you know, even in the uh, when I was in the church when I was a Christian, you had so many different uh, 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 categories or sections, sanctions within the church. You had right. the AME, you had the Methodist, you had the Baptist, and, and if you look at it. The Methodists did so, even though they went by the same Bible, they were so separate. Oh, we don't do what the AMEs do. And, you know, and it's the same thing when they talk about the Willie Lynch letter, whether it be true or not true. I can understand the mentality that the European was actually trying to promote to us as African people. 
you know, putting the shorter one against the taller one, putting the dark skinned one against the lighter one. And when we're looking at our issues here in America, we can't wait for the European to fix it because he's the one to put us in it. Okay. Uh, we can't wait for any outside people to come fix our problem, a problem that has been plaguing us for so long. We can't wait on other people that want to so build their houses. If we, if we can't wait on others, what do you think the solution should be? We have to educate ourselves. With us as black people, we are not aware of who we are. Therefore, we can't fully love who the creator uh, created us in. You understand? We don't know who. How, 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 huh? Are you saying that self awareness is the key? Is one of the tools that we need to overcome the racism? Important. That's the that's the most important. That's the most important because even okay. if we can, even if we kill all white people, we still have you know the internal racism where many of us have been trained by the very European that we don't like. And therefore, you still would be caring about the the racism, um, you know, against each other, the internal racism that you would share against each other. You know, um, I, I think that that would still be there um, mm-hmm. in in an actuality. In an actuality. All right. Well, thank you so much. Continue listening. Thank you so much for your contribution. Okay. I really appreciate that. I'm going to do something about that. Thanks so much, sir. Um, it's one of those things where. As we look at the violence that is, this is a specific type of violence that we're watching. It's officer-involved shooting. It's enhanced because of an atmosphere and an environment of racism that promotes the ideology that black people are inferior and white people are superior. It also says that black people are criminals and white people are not. Black people are not uh, worthy and there is nothing good coming out of black people. And so the, that's the ideology and the environment in which this racism is allowed to proliferate. And it is allowed to proliferate because the establishment, public policy, has done very little to mitigate the causes and effects of racism. Let's just be clear, public policy. Public policy is what you and I, our elected representatives, right? That's what they do. So we have influence over, over public policy. This is why it's important to look at the people who are running for election and have a say in what goes on, because invariably their viewpoints and perspectives is what they propagate, and that is what they act on when they become elected. So in this kind of atmosphere, and then, of course, there is uh, the policy that corporations play. Corporations have their own internal mechanisms. But within large corporations in this country is an underbed of racism. And pretty soon, you're going to see emerging blacks within corporate structures are going to start making noise. They have already started. It's a soft rumbling, but it's going to take root. And they're going to start speaking up because the system of racism said that we couldn't go to college. You couldn't get an education and you could not work a job because you were dumb and stupid. So we went and got an education and now we can't advance and end up being more qualified than the people who supervise us. That is an, that is an ideology of racism. And we must, we must 
tear down those structures and those ideologies in order for us to prosper. Frankly, it has to start somewhere. Somebody just needs to be brave enough to do it. A lot of corporations are coming forward and saying, yeah, we have an anti-racial policy. We have diversity and inclusion. Let me tell you what diversity and inclusion does. We had a show earlier this week, Barbara Fadida, the executive at ABC News, who is on leave. She hasn't been fired. If she hasn't been fired, don't even start talking, ABC News. So I've just totally boycotted ABC News. I'm not watching this. Because that executive uh, described contract, let me read it for you. She described contract negotiations for Robin Roberts a few years ago as picking cotton. She also referred to a view host, one of the co-hosts on The View, as low rent. But she's still at her job at ABC. So ABC has a culture in which this kind, in which racism proliferates, is practiced and proliferates. And this happens in corporate structures all over America. So racism is not something that is going to go away just because somebody gets up and says something. You just don't need to say something. You need to do something. Don't just, Hollywood is where it's, you see it in Hollywood every day. How many black actors and actresses in Hollywood are earning $20 million per film? Show me one. Just show me one. Black actors in Hollywood. No, I'm not going to talk about Hispanic actors. They have their own advocates. They can advocate on Asian actors. They can advocate for themselves. They're not getting beaten and kicked on in the streets of America. And until they feel what that feels like, then they will never know. And it will happen eventually because racism is racism, right? Okay, so why can't we do the same? You see what I'm saying? So black, blackness is the problem. Being black, being black in the skin is the problem. That's the problem. The problem is color. The problem is that the history of racism that began with the advent of slavery, the Atlantic slave trade, the largest human trafficking event in history was the Atlantic slave trade where blacks were taken from Africa and brought to the Americas. Let's just be clear, that was human trafficking, the very definition of human trafficking. They were shackled, they were kidnapped, they were beaten, their ancestors, their family members were killed while they, and butchered while they were placed on a ship and taken to God knows where. Nobody knew where the destination was. That's human trafficking. So when you look at that kind of history, and even after slavery, the international slave trade was deemed to be abolished by Spain, Portugal, and England. There's some guy down in Alabama who put his house up, got along, he and his friends, and went to Africa and took people and took them back to some place in Alabama now called Freetown, Alabama. This is after the slave trade ended. So it makes no sense for white America. I know you all feel a little uncomfortable. Do you know how I feel? You're uncomfortable because we're talking about racism. How do you think we feel when we have to get behind the wheel of a car? You can't even park in a Wendy's parking lot if you feel like you're too drunk to drive. Come on. How do you feel? How do you feel? You're uncomfortable. I'm not apologizing for your discomfort. I've been uncomfortable for centuries. My ancestors have paid the price. But this is the kind of conversation we need to have. And this violence is very specific. We just watched in shock and awe what happened with George Floyd. And I know many of you are like, surely this does not happen. But then 
Here comes the Fulton County District Attorney yesterday saying that Rayshard Brooks was stomped on. They stood on him, broke his shoulder after he was shot. And the same officer proceeded to fire shots at the occupants of another vehicle. Now, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation says that they haven't fully finished their investigation and they think it was premature of the DA to file charges. And I'm like, we don't need your concurrence. We saw the video. People were interviewed and they said that this happened. What the hell more do you want? It was the same thing. With Ahmad Arbery, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation did not file any charges against the people until the public rose up. So whose side is the GBI on? They seem to be con- constantly and consistently on the side of racism. Come on, dude. Don't expect us to believe anything else. What do you think this is? 1955? Or is this 2020? Is this 2020? I must... Oh, hold on, hold on. I thought 2020 meant that Things were going to be clearer. I thought 2020 meant that the vision was going to come to pass. I thought 2020 meant that we're going to see things clearly for the first time. And you want me to sit here and really believe that you're going to conduct an unfettered, unfiltered investigation after the evidence said that this man was tumped on. Now, I want to ask in what real world if that had happened to a white kid, what would have happened? You remember Dylan Roof? Yesterday was the 17th of June. Lest we forget, nine people five years ago were killed, nine black people five years ago were killed in a church by a white man. When the police showed up, they gave him a cup of water to drink. He wasn't shot. He wasn't murdered. He wasn't vilified. He was given a cup of water to drink. But a black man who was drunk and parked He wasn't driving erratically. He was not speeding on the street. He was sitting. He was parked in a Wendy's parking lot, was shot in his back twice, and then you stomped on his shoulder. That kind of violence seems to be very pointed, isn't it? It's almost as if when you hear that kind of account, you want to say, well, who is this person? So there is a prejudice that is applied to the color of your skin when you have an encounter with the law. I love reading what what you're saying. So what's the difference in these two people, the color of their skin? Dylan Roof is white. Rayshard Brooks is black. Rayshard Brooks didn't commit a crime. He was parked in a parking lot. Dylan Roof shot and killed nine people in a church. Now, he, they did welcome him. They didn't think he was coming to shoot them and kill them. They just thought he needed Jesus. And they welcomed him in. The difference, my friends, is color. That is our specific problem in America. So if you're white, I'm black, we're going to go apply for the same job. You're going to get it. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to because you're white, you're guaranteed. Me, I have to jump through 15 hoops. Even when my qualifications 
are more than yours, I still have to jump through more hoops. Somebody said that Senator Tim Scott, you're hearing a lot about him, he's the only black Republican in the Senate. And he's, the man is as black as I am. <laughs> I kid you not. And he's saying, well, there's no such thing as systemic racism, and the rest of us want to choke him. Like, seriously? There's a system that protects animals like Dylan Wolf. You're darn right there is. Right? That system is called racism. Right? And you look at Senator Scott, and, and as much as I respect him and respect his office and what he has accomplished, seriously, brother, I, I, I'm going to pray for you because you need help. You need deliverance. For you to sit there and say there's no systemic racism, you and I know that that is not true. Are you afraid? Did they hold a gun to you? Were the two white men standing behind you, were they holding a gun? Like, were they telling you that if you don't say this, you will never work in the Senate again? And there is a price to pay for freedom. Martin Luther King died, didn't he? Is he alive today? Is he alive today? There's a price to pay for addressing this issue. You don't get to be a leader without having some form of accountability. You are accountable to the people whom you lead. You don't get to be a CEO of a corporation without accountability. You do not get to be a senator. And that the mere fact that you have to say the only black Republican in the Senate says a whole lot about the Senate. It says a whole lot about our political system. It says a whole lot about the states that he comes from, one of the hotbeds of, of Confederacy and racism. Somebody put up a thing on Instagram the other day where they said uh, Confederacy only lasted four years. But its effects have been world-changing for more than 150 years. It was only four years. And you still have people walking around that that's their heritage. The heritage of racism is what they're glorifying. So when I hear white people say, well, that's my heritage, I said, yeah, you're right. That's your heritage of racism. Don't get offended because you don't know your history. Because that's what Confederacy was. It was to protect the South and the commerce of the South and to round up slaves. That's where policing first started. It was to round up runaway slaves. This is why I say we have to rebrand policing and we have to change the ideology because perhaps what is happening, we, by the way, we didn't have these problems in the 70s and the 80s. This just started happening in the 90s. So it seems to me that policing changed. They allowed far-right groups and they allowed the KKK to infiltrate the police. These are the bad actors who come from wherever they come from with their ideology, and they have become police officers. So the police officer who was neighborly, whom you and I used to wave at driving around and so on, he doesn't exist anymore. He has been replaced by a different brand purporting to protect and serve, but you're going to shoot somebody in the back and stomp on him afterwards. Now, I want to hear the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, they just love they just love <laughs> to just insert themselves into things like, well, that information hasn't come out of us. Sit yourself down. What more do you need to see than the video? The video was there. You have the tools at your disposal. Grab the surveillance videos from the places across the street. It's going to show you that the DA doesn't need, what, the, what does he have to consult with you for? He's in his own jurisdiction. 
he consults with the people in his jurisdiction, which was the Atlanta Police Department. Thank you very much. That's his jurisdiction. No, I don't want that kind of thing because if he were a white VA, first of all, if it were a white VA, he would not have leveled a felony murder charge against a white police officer. <laughs> Let's just be clear. A white VA would not have done that. That's what we saw in Minneapolis, didn't we? The white VA would not level a felony charge against a white police officer. It took the black attorney general to come and lay the facts out. Do you see what I'm saying? Taking a gamble on his political career, but here's the deal. You don't have a choice. We're in a different day now. There is transparency now required. And now you have to understand that leadership is not about shaking hands. Leadership is not about engaging with others across the aisle and hearing discourse. Understand that leadership, when you have been given a position, Senator Tim Scott, when you have been given that kind of position, you're there to take a stand. You are not there because they gathered together and said, well, we look bad. We, as Republicans, we look too racist, so we're going to put a black man up. Know that you are there. Whatever means it took to get you there, know that you are there. It's said, well, we're going to have to do something about this racism. It can't happen. We have to do better. I've looked at some of the reforms that are suggested, and I'm like, but we're already, you're already doing it. I don't know that police officers need any more training. Do you? I don't think so. I think they're, they're militarized enough. The police officer is probably more trained than the military right now. They have all the tools that they need, I don't think that that's what it is. I think you need to look at who you're hiring as police officers. I think that's the problem. If you go back to who you are hiring, do you really do investigative work? Do you really check out people's backgrounds? I saw, I, I saw a study was done on how police officers are trained in the US. They're given 21 weeks of training. Do you know in other countries, Police officers are trained for two years before they're placed on the street to interact with people. Think about that. Do you know that in countries like Finland, Denmark, Sweden, and so on, and you can't say in some of those countries, well, they don't interact with black people. Let me help you out. In those countries and in Germany, there is a large group. There are, the, there are large groups of immigrants. They're not seeing police violence at the state that we are seeing here in black in, in America. So the training might be an issue. If you're only giving 21 weeks of training and then with people come with their own perspective, do you do a psyche eval on people? Do you ask questions? Do you investigate their background? Where you come from? So where did your granddaddy come from? What do they believe? Do you see what I'm saying? So I think we need to look at that. I don't believe you can retrofit a system, systemically racial, racially biased system to be colorblind. I agree. Uh, <laughs> you think I'm defending these racist institutions? Seriously? Does it sound like I do? Gosh, dude, I think they're going to come after me because <laughs> I'm not defending them at all. Seriously, I don't defend them. I'm not even trying to offer a, a, an explanation. I think they're going to come after me because I speak up. I talk about it. I don't like it. I think that I don't know that training is the answer. I don't believe it. Not for one minute. 
I don't believe that you can train them anymore. I think what needs to happen is to look at the people whom you're hiring. Now, as for those who are currently there, you need to go review their records. And if there are too many citizen complaints and too many excessive use of force complaints, you probably need to give them desk duty, but not let them interact with the public. Let's just be clear. They might have violent tendencies. They might just have grew up with a violent parent, an alcoholic parent, whatever. So when they encounter somebody who is drinking, all of that just tends to get out. They might have grown up with, in a home where their, one of their parents was beaten. So they show up and something is going all right. Or they might have just grown up hearing their granddaddy and their daddy say, kill every black man that you see. We need to stomp them out of America. You need to ask questions. What kind of questioning is given to these people? If anybody who has ever filed for a job anywhere in America, we all go through that series of questions because they want to find out if you're going to be a potential mass shooter. Do police officers go through that? Is that something that is done at every evaluation? What does an evaluation look like? We have to move past that. We have to disempower the power that they feel. And some of you, I heard a black, uh, CNN interviewed a black uh, sheriff from Georgia who defended these officers. I want them to interview him again. I, I should go look up his number and advice. Now that he has heard that they stomped on Rayshard Brooks after he was killed, I want you to justify use of force. I think we give the police too much power. We tell them that they can use force and then we, you're going to say, well, what is due force? And then you're going to say, well, if he feels he was in fear for his life, that is going to be his defense every time. I fear for my life. So I'm driving down the street. They pull me over. And the police is going to come. And after he shoots me and kills me, he's going to come and tell you all that I was a threat to him. And he feared for his life. You holding a gun, right? <laughs> You're holding the gun and the guy has the taser. Which one of you has the upper hand? <laughs> Think about that. The person holding the taser has the upper hand or the person holding the gun? Which one? That, that should empty that out in just in, in no time at all. The rest of us are looking at this. And this is what is inflaming the rhetoric. And this is what is inflaming people is that nothing is being done. We just marched for George Floyd. Here we are with Rayshard Brooks two weeks later, as if George Floyd didn't happen, as if this violence is not going to stop, as if it is okay to have open season on black people. Is that what this is coming down to? Is that what this is? And now the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, who has no integrity at all, because Ahmad Arbery's investigation and the video was there, you had it all. And you still didn't press charges against two white men who shot a black man until public pressure and outcry. And now you want me to believe that the men, the police officer, the former police officer who shot Rayshard Brooks twice, then stomped on him. That it's okay. You want me to believe that that didn't happen. So what, you're going to manipulate the investigation? Because a black DA is saying so, that's really the problem. There is no justice. The justice 
is black and white. And if your skin is black, you're going to end up in a system where the system is stacked against you. I can't forget Dylan Roof. Can you? I can't. Dylan Roof walked into a church. I haven't felt good about that since. Every time I go into a church service, I'm always looking behind me. I, I will sit. This is me sitting in a church service. I don't sit with my back to any door. I sit with my back to a corner so I can look both ways. Why? Because Dylan Roof attacks people who look like me. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, you do. Yes, white America, you do. We have a problem. And the problem is you don't want to talk about it because you're embarrassed and you feel bad and you really don't want to examine the roots, how this problem occurred. Because if you did, you would realize that, wow, maybe I contributed to that. Or you absolutely benefit from racism. You don't want to change that because you want to be free to drive down the street, smoking your blunt, snorting your cocaine, driving with your liquor, having sex with children, unfettered, with no accountability or any fear of ever being pulled over or being criminalized. White America, let's just be clear, you like it the way it is. And if the blacks are raising up and talking about it, well, let's just give them their time of day. But at the end of the day, things are going to go back to normal because you want it that way. You like it that way. You want us continually oppressed because as long as we are oppressed, you have the upper hand. And the upper hand is a racist tool that clamps down, that causes black people to lose their lives, that regardless of what they are. You have people within your own ranks. Everybody is not a CEO. Everybody is not like a Jimmy Carter in your ranks. You have people who are, who are degenerates just the same. But as far as you're concerned, it's whoa, 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 whoa. Let, let's just pull up right there. Let's just not go there. No, we are there. You pushed us to the limit. Now confront it. Now, the racism is so blanket. It's not just applicable to anybody. Because now they're painting Rayshard Brooks like a criminal. They're bringing up his criminal, his background. They're saying he's reformed. So that is giving justification to the police for having pulled him over in the first place, for running his tags and running his driver's license and seeing his record and making assumptions based on his record. White people who have been to jail for child molestation don't get attacked. If they did, they wouldn't be living freely. White people who have committed white-collar crimes they don't get attacked because they wouldn't be living freely. They would live in fear of being pulled over. Hello, somebody. So what about black people who have not committed crimes? Robin Roberts' only crime is that she's black. She works for ABC. She's an anchor for Good Morning America since 2005. She had a recent contract negotiations with ABC and the executive in charge referred to it as picking cotton. White America, that didn't ruffle you at all. Let me ask you this. If your contract negotiations were referred to as mining coal, 
or trailer park trash, would you have liked it? Ah. Matter of fact, people are going to leave comments on this that I referred to you all as trailer park trash. It offends you, doesn't it? Well, it's the same way. It's the same level of offense when you're going to criminalize black men and women. You're telling me that you don't respect the fruit of my womb, but you want me to respect your little Johnny who has no behavior, who acts out in restaurants. That's what you want me to respect, but you don't want to respect my little Johnny and my little Ashley. Do you see the disconnect? And until we confront that basic methodology, until we confront that basic thought process, it's never, we're never going to get past it. As long as you continue to think that you are entitled to a way of life, and we're not, but we worked for it, you just reaped it. Our ancestors worked for it. We're not asking for our piece of the pie. The damn pie belongs to us, too. There is no piece of the pie, honey. Hello, there's no piece of the pie. It belongs to us. It's time for us to get it. And if you don't sit there, because right now in, in corporate structures all across America, in corporate spaces all across America, in boardrooms, and in, in, in Oval Offices and in, 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 in Capitol Rotundas right now, they're trying to figure out how do we stop this from going forward because this is going to be a problem. They're going to come out with more draconian laws. They're going to come out with ways in which to stem the tide. This is why you see whom I refer to as whitewashed Dan Jones. Notice how his rhetoric has changed. When the George, George Floyd protest began, he was just as involved. Now he's breaking bread. He's, he's whitewashed. He's not standing on our side of the fence. He's smiling with his oppressors. That means that he recognizes that a black man on CNN recognizes that if he doesn't say what they want him to say, he won't have a platform. He won't have a job, so he wants to continue to be in those spaces. So he's not going to say anything that is going to point out the stark realities. So the only way these are going to be mitigated is when a white person says it. No, that day and time been gone. So we are all uncomfortable, as uncomfortable as we should be, because this is wrong. That man, that ex-police officer, he deserves to be ex. He, was, he took an oath of office that he was going to protect and serve his community. If he has a problem serving a black community, he should have gone to the white community and said, I'd prefer to be over there. And then you hire more black officers to police black communities. That's your solution. Go on a hiring drive. The Detroit Police Department put up a thing. They're hiring more people. Yeah, hire people from the community who look like the community. Solves the problem. How are you going to put a white police officer who has anger management issues already, who has violent tendencies, who more than likely, if he comes from a certain demographic, has exposure to racist ideology, how are you going to put him in a, in a black community and expect that they're not going to, there's not going to be violent encounters. I am beginning now for years 
for the last five years, people have been saying a lot of the people who are in jail, I've been there, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, no, no. I am now beginning to think, and I can now see where that is true. A lot of the folks in jail could very well have gotten there on mishaps and misstatements. And could have gotten there simply because of the color of their skin. Now I'm beginning to accept that as a reality. See, before social media and before cell phone cameras, we had cell phone cameras. Well, who are we going to send it to? ABC, CBS, NBC? They were never going to put it up, right? But now that we have social media, it's the people's media. This is now getting filmed. So now we're seeing it, that it is true. Because before... When we heard that police shot black men, we just assumed that the we just took the police's story for granted that yeah he must have been a criminal he was probably about to rob the Wendy's or whatever he probably was just a criminal in the wrong you know what I mean he was doing something wrong, but now it's being filmed, so now we're seeing that wait he wasn't a criminal he wasn't committing a criminal act he just fell asleep at the wheel instead of driving on the highway. Something is wrong with that. Something is very wrong. We need to have this conversation, right? I'm so disappointed. My viewer says, as the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense said, power to the people of their communities, right? And so we've got to understand that we have to get to this place. We must if we want to move forward. We don't have a choice. Because there's going to be another Rayshard Brooks and another George Floyd. I said it when George Floyd happened. I said there's going to be another one. Because the system that promotes the ideology, the system, the, the ideology, the environment that promotes this, that instigates this still exists right now in police chambers and police locker rooms across the country, The idea is not to mitigate the violence. The idea is not to, let's change. That's not the ideology that is being discussed. It's how can I go and get revenge? That's the ideology. I'm going to lock up more of them. I'm going to kill more of them. And I'm going to go for that girl, Harriet Kimmick. I'm going to go for her. That's what they're discussing. They're not discussing, well, we do have a problem. We do have some bad actors. Hey, y'all, y'all feel like you're racist or something? If y'all feel like you have a problem, maybe you shouldn't come to work today. If you had a problem, you know, your wife had an argument, your kids back talk you, because I don't know, we're, just, we're humans, right? I, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. We're humans, right? Okay, so we all have issues. Nobody's home life is perfect. You wake up one day and your spouse has an issue. <laughs> it becomes a problem. Your kid has an issue, they backdog you like crazy. And you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? Who gave birth to whom? That's a question I like to ask. Is who carried whom and who gave birth to whom? You, you birthed yourself? <laughs> or was it you who gave birth to me? <laughs> right, so we all have issues. That's not the conversation taking place. The conversation in, in police locker rooms are not about let's try to mitigate this violence let, let, it not, let them not say that we are bad. That's not what they're doing. Their conversation is let's get revenge. Let's go back. They're calling us thugs. Let's go back. I, I was watching on CNN yesterday, the New York police commissioner. Man, that guy 
he he's trying real hard to look like he's friendly. He's not. His natural instinct is not to smile with the public. But he's trying. He disbanded a, a crime unit that had 600 plainclothes officers. And I'm like, that's the same crime unit who shot up Amadou Diallo 41 times in 1998. You all remember that? 1998-99. You remember that? Okay, there's a documentary on Netflix. You all need to go watch it. That's the same crime unit, the plainclothes crime unit. Do you know how many people they have killed and shot up? How many people they have locked up for nothing? It's not that they fired them. They just re, uh, redistributed them to other departments. So the same problem exists. The problem is in our minds and how we think. The problem is that we look at people and we place people in boxes. And the problem is we judge people based on the appearance of their skin. And because we continue to do that, we continue to face violence. We continue to experience violence because of the way that we think. Our ancestors are long gone. They died. They made mistakes. We don't want to change that. We don't want to address that because then that would mean that they're culpable. What are you all afraid of? Paying 40 acres in a mule at today's interest rates, at today's rates, how much would that be? Is that what you're afraid of? The country is rich enough. And frankly, until there is an ideology to change the thinking that you think the color of your skin makes you superior to me because of the color of my skin, that is the problem. You can give me 40 acres in a mule all day. It's still not going to change the way you think, but I'm going to take the 40 acres in a mule if you want to know the darn truth. Right? But the way that we think is the problem. And until we accept that and remedy that, it's not going to change anything. Look, we elected a black man. You heard the president say this week that there's no systemic racism because Barack Obama was elected president. Barack Obama got nothing done because of Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell was not going to get anything done. He decided he was going to railroad it. Their hatred of the man because of the color of his skin is why we are in this pickle and this mess. Behold, is Mitch McConnell again? Passes, aces. So he's been around since God. So he's been around from the beginning of racism. I'm hypothesizing. He actually, he's a, as a matter of fact, Mitch McConnell is a descendant of slave owners. A past that he has tried to cover up, but the, the, the census records, they do, they do say that. You can go look it up on the New York Times. Do you see what I'm saying? So with that kind of background, how do you expect him not to think the way he does? He just mirrors the problem. He's a public servant elected to serve the people, but he hated the people's choice. Right? The police officer is paid to protect you and I but he hates the color of your skin. Change the way that you do policing. It's not hard to do. It's not hard at all. You can't hire white cops to police black people. Wherever did we ever get that idea from? Do you know the police chief in Detroit says the same thing? He said, you gotta hire people from the community. And I was like, why is that a novel idea? Hey, y'all, why is that a novel idea? Why? 
that looks like it should be. If you have a majority black community, you need a black DA and you need a black chief of police and you need black police officers. Why? We know the system already. America, we got to change. This is not going to go away. I don't think it's going to go away because you won't let it go away. White America, you won't let it go away. You're still empowering the police. It was the kids who took to the streets. The kids were saying enough is enough. But you, the parents and grandparents, were telling them to get out the street and not march with those people. Leave them alone. That's what you were telling them. I told them, I'm not going to pay your school fee if you continue to be out there. I'm not going to pay your rent if you continue to be out there. That's, you are perpetuating racism. What about you in Hollywood? Are you going to pay some of these black actors 20 mil per flick? Show me a black actor who is making 10 million per film in Hollywood. That's, if, that, if, if there were, Tyler Perry wouldn't have his own Hollywood in Atlanta, dedicated to the exposure and art and artistic expression of people of black origin. Come on now. Do you see what I'm saying? This problem is like a disease. This problem is an endemic problem. It's so embedded into our psyche. It's a system. It's everywhere. It happens in Atlanta. It happens in Louisville, Kentucky, where they still haven't charged the officers who shot Breonna Taylor seven times. What kind of system is that? It happens everywhere. It happened in Minneapolis. happened in New York, Eric Garner, Ferguson, Sanford, Florida. It's systemic in its application. I can't begin to tell you how many times what my first encounters with it, I just thought people were uh, uncool and, you know, were rude. Wow. What an ignorant person. It took, I said, wait, no, you, you, you can't be racist towards me. What makes you think you racism as in you think the color of your skin makes you better than me? I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I have never for the life of me understood the proliferation of this perspective. Never in my darn life have I, I, I can't get it, y'all, help me. I cannot get how anybody could ever think that the color of your skin makes you better than the next person. I would rather think along money. It would be better if you use money as a marker. But then I'm going to ask you how you got your money. Because if you robbed and killed people to get your money, you're no different than the drug dealer. I'm just laying out the facts as they are. These are the facts of human culture. These are the facts of how human beings live. Let us just be clear. So until we get to the, 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 the place where this form of ideology, as Bob Marley said, and I'm going to leave you with this. Bob Marley said this, until the philosophy that makes one race feel superior and another race feel inferior, until that philosophy is permanently abandoned and discredited, we're not going to have peace. 
That's where we are in America today. Are we willing to confront that? That the ways in which we have been raised to think about ourselves are wrong. That what our ancestors said about people is wrong. What they said is wrong. What we feel about people is wrong. And that it is time to level the playing field. It is time to let go. Black people don't deserve a piece of the pie. The pie belongs to us too. We work for it. You just sat back and raped our great-grandmothers and killed our great-grandfathers. That's all you did. Let's just be clear about how the system operated and how it rolled out. So if anybody owns the pie or has the pie, it's Black Americans. Let's start right there. The second thing we need to accept is that you cannot send white police officers to police Black people. Let's accept that. The, the, probably the nice police officers of a bygone era, they're dead and gone. The ones who exist today, whom you are hiring, and who you like to say is a 20-year peace officer, peace my foot, show me his record. You can't tell police that they can say, I fear for my life. Then they're just going to make a mistake and shoot people. And say it was a mistake, but they're not going to admit it was a mistake to shoot someone. They're going to say, I fear for my life. How you fear for your life when you have the gun? You had the gun. He had the taser. You had the gun. He had the taser. You had the gun. According to the Georgia Code, a, a taser is considered a, 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 a form of uh, force. But in this case, even if Rashard was holding the taser, you had over, what, Twenty or 15,000 police officers on backup who are going to come and show up with force. We can't give the police blanket immunity. We have to hold them accountable. This is the time. Face it, America. Face it that you have a problem in your corporate structures. Yes, you do, because you actually discriminate against people by their color when they apply for loans. Yeah? And when they apply for, you know, jobs, you do. It's not equitably distributed. And black Americans, wherever you are, come out of the closet. Start talking about this stuff. We got to fix this. Let's go. We got to fix this. It can't happen. It can't happen. And as long as these killings continue, it is going to be what it is. Because the young people, Generation Z, says we're not going to live with this. So we're here we got to go along to get along. And they're like, no, we ain't. Generation Z says no. Black and white alike, they're like, no, we're not going to go along to get along. If this is the pie, then how many people live here? How many people? The pie should be distributed. Who made this? The Native Americans were here first. White people brought black people to enslave. Who worked to build this? All you Asians and so on who come here afterwards, who built this on the backs of black Americans who were beaten and killed? They were raped and pillaged. There's a story about epigenetics, and I leave you on this one. It's the science that controls how we experience violence from a bygone era, from our previous generations. The science says, that if we're descendants of people who have been traumatized, we carry that in our DNA and are subject 
should be traumatized. Some of you are having nightmares. It date back to what is in our DNA from the trauma that a previous generation experienced. This was first discovered by the Jews for Holocaust survivors and their descendants. The same is true for the descendants of slaves. It's not just about I can't breathe. That's powerful. But it's about if he can't breathe, we all can't breathe. That's my story. My name is Harriet Kimmick. Thank you so much for joining me. I encourage you to get my book, Through the Fire. It's available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Have you taken a copy? It's called Through the Fire. Nowadays, I'm beginning to think that as people of color, as black people, we seem to be walking through the fire. So get my book, Through the Fire. It's available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And for more information about who I am, please visit my website, HarrietKamek.com, as well as continue to listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thank you so much for your comments. I appreciate your input, and I appreciate your energy. And I know tomorrow is Juneteenth, and I just want to say we're all in this together. And just stay safe. Is that good? Just stay safe. Want to see you come back tomorrow. We should not feel threatened. Don't feel threatened. We should be back tomorrow to celebrate Juneteenth. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Thanks so much. Be blessed, everybody.